Everybody listen. For some reason, I make announcements and then and three or four people go, I, when, I didn't know nothing about that. I think every Sunday I've, I say something, so we're going to all pay attention right now. Now tonight, tonight is a little different than what it says on the bulletin. I confused Miss Becky a little bit. Um, next Sunday night is our family night at, at, at our land where we're going to go over there and, and do all of that stuff. Tonight, we're going to meet here at, i tell you what I need to do. I need to have a 5 o'clock business meeting. If we can do that, it ain't going to take 15 minutes. Okay? 5.30, we're going to meet here, and we're going to eat and fellowship and do all of that. And then at 6.30, those who want to go down right down here to the land, church land, uh, we, we set up for a bow shoot, archery, you know, um, and, and ladies, if y'all want to go down, you know, it's, it's not limited. Whoever wants to go, if the ladies want to hang out, don't have really, um, I mean, we mow the place or y'all can walk down the road and look at the pond and do all that talking that women do and that kind of stuff. But, you know, but anyhow, the, the guys who want to shoot, we got a bow shoot set up. If you just want to go hang out, that's great. I'm obviously not going to shoot. My back's messed up, but I'm going to run a video camera and we're just going to have a good fellowship. So even if you don't, do archery. Come hang out with us. That's the whole point. And and if you don't want to go down there, come eat with us and then go to the house. So that gives you an option to do tonight. Um, everybody hear that? Say amen. 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 All right. Five o'clock business, five thirty here at church. We'll eat and then we'll head down there about six thirty and and do that. Then next Sunday evening we'll meet down. We'll probably just uh, we'll probably meet some somebody will be here at the church in case you had never been there. But we'll meet down here. It's just less than a mile down the road on the left, and we'll we'll have what all? Cole, Cole, where's Cole at? Right there. That man right there. Will you stand up? He's in charge of next Sunday night. If you have any questions, ask this handsome young man. He, he they have games and all that stuff. There you go. Okay. Ten, no, we're gonna do we're gonna just do hamburgers simple, you know. If you want to bring desserts, that's it's all we need to bring tonight. If you want to bring desserts, we're just gonna do burgers and chips and drinks and that kind of stuff. And I need to talk with Tina White afterwards. All right, I think I see it. <clears throat> Before I get started, I don't know why I look at my watch. Anyhow, I want to say something. You know, a lot of people come on Sunday mornings and they're unable to come on Sunday nights. And sometimes people get the idea that all there is to church is what goes on on Sunday mornings and and that kind of stuff. Um, and I want to take this opportunity to uh, to thank people. Uh, we had VBS this last week. We had so many people that came and sacrificed and served and and dealt with those kids and, and ministered to them and all that. A lot of people, everybody who was at that, greatly appreciate that. And we had, you know, Jeremy was in the hospital this week, and there were several people that came and visited him. I greatly appreciate that. And uh, and God sent one lady to my house with a with a bucket of ice cream, and it was... It was that southern blackberry cobbler, and it was like heaven in a cup, and that was awesome. And and another brother brought me a, an ice pack from my back, and I greatly appreciate that. And last night, several men came and helped set up the the shoot down here. And and uh, and I could, you know, honestly, I could go on and on of all what goes on outside of our church, just other than a Sunday morning. You know, this is where we come together as a people to worship, 
But there's so many people who serve and who give and who are involved that make things happen that a lot of people don't know about. So, so I want you to understand, if you're here this morning, you're not involved or, or you just look at the other people, they just go to church and then they go on about their lives. No, they don't. Some people might, but we have so many people here who every day live for Jesus and, and share their faith and show the love of Christ. And, and it's not by no means just to my family. It's to so many different families in the church. And so... I thank God for people who love the Lord and serve, and I appreciate you. I didn't call your names. I know your names, and more important than that, the Lord knows your names. But just want to say that there are people in this church who give over and above constantly to honor the Lord, and he's honored by your life. All right. <clears throat> Looking in First Samuel 14. I wrestled a lot this week with what I was going to preach because I had too much time to study. And so this is uh this is a believer's message. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you say, well, I'm not sure where I stand on Christianity and all that, um, <clears throat> let me say this, and I, I want to offer this to any and every person. Uh, I'm very approachable, I think, and my wife is. So if, if you are here and you don't know the Lord and you don't know what that's all about and you're just kind of weighing it all out, I would offer to anybody to uh, sit down with you and just you ask questions and I'll give the best answers from the scripture I can give you and uh, give you the, why I have the hope I have. It's it's not just because I was raised this way or because it's some empty faith. It's based upon facts and it's based upon, it is based upon faith, but it's based upon facts and it's based upon history and it's based on science and it's based on archaeology and, and, and logic and everything else. So I'd love to sit down and try to help you answer your questions and you make your decision what you do with Jesus, okay? Because Jesus is not about a church setting, a baptism, any of that. It's about knowing him. He's awesome and he can change your life radically. So looking in First Samuel 14, and starting in verse 1, I don't title messages, but I did this week. Are you a fighter or a quitter? Are you a fighter or a quitter? It says in verse 1, Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, now you all know Saul was the king of Israel at this time, said to the young man who bore his armor, who carries armor bearer, okay? He said, Come and let us go over to the Philistines. That was Israel's enemies at that time that had him in bondage. Let's go to the Philistines garrisons that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was, if you have your Bible underline it, sitting. Sitting in the outskirts of Gabeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes which by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on, on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of this place was Bozes and the name of the other, Sina. And uh, from the front of one face northward opposite Michmash, in other words, southward, southward opposite Gabea. Let's, uh, let's tell you what this is all talking about, okay? You understand at that point in time, the Philistines, very barbaric people, had Israel in bondage, okay? And this Philistine garrison, uh, was, was what we would call a stronghold. It's where the military would be and there would be a large group of them in this place. You could call it a fortress or whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> and, 
And, there, and there's, you see two different people, uh, Jonathan and Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. Jonathan was his son. They're doing two different things. Number one, Saul was sitting. Saul was just sitting doing nothing about it. Okay? If you want to apply this in your life, every one of us have strongholds in our life. The Bible said we don't war against flesh and blood, but Satan sets up strongholds in our lives okay, that keep us in bondage. Some of our strongholds can be mental. You can have a stronghold of unbelief where you don't believe at all whatsoever. And then there's, there's different things that cause you to have that stronghold. Satan speaks lies to you. You believe lies. You believe things that people have said to you, maybe falsely about, the, you know, the Lord or maybe falsely about the world. We have strongholds in our marriage that cause problems, that divide. We have strongholds in our families that basically Satan comes and sets up camp in your house and it causes problems in your home and it causes division. And, and a stronghold could be an addiction in your life, whether it's drugs or alcohol or whatever your addiction might be. And so all of us have strongholds. Maybe maybe you see a stronghold within your family. Maybe you're the parent and, and you see a stronghold that's in your kid's life or, or you can have a stronghold within churches and and so you understand where I'm at with this you have to identify what area is it of your life could be your finances could be to where Satan is keeping you in bondage and causing turmoil in your life okay and it's the devil's place at work now some people are like Saul they just sit around talk about it if you want to talk about a stronghold in our culture, we have such a stronghold in our culture uh, of a people who are, are ignorant of God's word, a people who, who who have never read God's word. They only go by what they hear. They, they judge religious institutions, not necessarily a true church, but they identify with them all together. And, and now we have a stronghold of immorality in our culture, of unbelief, of, 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 of God's people who do live like hypocrites. We have a stronghold of, of God. God's people who are in, inside of the church who are ignorant of God's word and don't care to, to, to be a light. They don't care to be involved. We can sit around like Saul and we can talk about the problems. No matter where your stronghold is, we can, we can whine about it, we can murmur about it, we can complain about it, we can give statistics about it, we can talk about, you know, why is it that marriages, you know, end up 60% of them in divorce, even inside of the church, 50 to 60% in divorce, and we talk about our government, and we complain about all these different things, and we do like Saul sometimes, we just sit around and talk about it, but we're not doing anything. And there's a lot of relation to this this story and what you see with David and Goliath. You know, when the, the giant, First uh, Samuel chapter 17, that was of the Philistines, and he came out and he wanted to battle. And what happened? Israel was all hiding in the in there's all hiding in the church building is what they're doing. There's all hiding in the trenches. And it's like, look at that giant, and how great he is, and how big he is, and we've got all these troubles and and all these different things. They were just talking about it, but nobody was doing anything. And so then you see Jonathan, I kind of thought, what caused Jonathan to want to all of a sudden get up and take his armor bearer and go two people up against the Philistine garrison? I think he got tired of listening to everybody talk about it. I think he got tired of looking around going, aren't we God's people? You know, isn't the Lord great? It's kind of like David said when he's talking about Goliath, you know, who is this, who is this Philistine 
that he should defy the armies of the living God. Jonathan's focus was on the Lord and his glory and his greatness because you see at this time, you know, everybody knew that Israel was God's people and that they had heard of all the different things that Jehovah had done in God's people from bringing them out of Egypt, from all the judges, from the battles, the victories, and all the great things that God done. But now, and we'll read it here in a little bit, they were hiding out. And all of their enemies just totally disgraced the name of God because they were just sitting. They were just sitting. And if you'll notice one of the names there that we have trouble reading, or I do, in verse 3 it said that, who was, who was Saul sitting with? Ahijah, the son of... Whatever that dude's name is, high tub. But the one I want you to notice is Ichabod's brother. So what does Ichabod mean? Have you ever heard of the term saying Ichabod? You know, they, they use it now, but, but Ichabod means the glory of the Lord is left. This is the kind of people Saul was hanging out with. You know why? Because Saul was driven by his greed and his flesh and his selfishness. He was disobedient to the Lord. He was all about him and what he could have and what he could gain. He wasn't in it for the glory of God. And God was fixing to remove him as king because the glory... This is what happens when you just sit. The glory of the Lord is like, I'm out of here. It happens in churches all over this country. Just because there's a sign, a building, and a meeting of people doesn't mean that God's in it. Doesn't mean that it's a true church. And it happens in churches, and it happens in individuals' ministries, and it happens in families when people just throw up their hands, and they just want to talk about it and do nothing, and they're not engaged in the battle. There's nothing in their heart that that causes them to do for the Lord and to serve the Lord, and that they desire the glory of the Lord. Then it's like Ichabod. The glory of the Lord is like, then I'm, then I'm gone. I'm not here. And so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of marriages and families that at one point in time that they walked with the Lord and you saw peace and you saw Jesus his presence in their family and you see the working of God through their kids and then they just kick it in the coast and the next thing you know they're caught up in the world and they're caught up in everything that's going on and they forget about the Lord and all of a sudden their family starts falling apart and they start having troubles and out of, you know in their marriage and with their kids and with their finances and everything else and it's like you know what you're the one that brought this on because you didn't care about the glory of God in your life. You didn't care about magnifying Jesus and so the glory of the Lord has departed. Not that you lose your salvation, but the glory of the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? And so in that, Jonathan was, I believe he was tired of sitting around and talking about it and complaining and calculating and, and all of these different things where he was like, it's time for somebody to do something. And I think we're at a place in, 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 in absolutely in our churches across the country, but I just want to talk about this church. And I know that there's a lot of people who are like Jonathan in this church, and you're up and you're serving, and from your heart you believe that God's doing great things, and He is. Man, I can sit here and tell you something. Since we started this prayer meeting we're having, I've seen God just moving. But, but anyhow, you, and, and people want to serve the Lord rather than being focused on, well, you know what? Nobody wants to hear it. We're just living in those days where people don't want to hear it, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the church this, and the preacher this, and the, the worship team, you know, it wasn't as good as we thought it should be. And, and those are the people that just sit around and they talk and they complain and they wonder why the other people aren't making it better. But there are those people who are like, you know what, I want to be a part of that. I don't want to sit around and listen to the complain, the murmur and whine, how things used to be. And, you know, Saul might have been talking about the glory days. And there are people who sit around and talk about, well, you remember you used to with this and we had this and we did this and we saw this. Think, what about now? What are you doing now? How, where is your heart? 
before the Lord and your belief in God. Because it's not about the group. And you'll see that here. Notice what Jonathan says when he starts in uh, uh, verse uh, 6. Let's look at verse 6. It said, And Jonathan said to the young man, Now remember in those days, that each leader would have what was called an armor bearer. He would he would go with him. He was a partner in war is what he was. So much in this we could preach about. But but he went and he carried the shield and he carried a sword and he would go before oftentimes the one who was in the battle. He was They were hand in hand ready to die for one another. And this armor bearer, Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come and let us go over to the garrison of this uncircumcised or this pagan's That it may be, notice what he's looking for, that the Lord will work for us. See, it's not about you getting involved because of what you have to offer the Lord or what you can do for the Lord. Because if you're in it for that, not a whole lot's going to be accomplished. What we're looking for is going, God, I'm a nothing. I don't really have a whole lot to offer you. I can offer you what I have. But God, I do in my heart believe that you're great. And I want to see if you can do a work through me or a work through us, a few or whatsoever. And you look at this and it says... Um, for nothing, notice this, for nothing, nothing in our culture, no man, no environment, no nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. You know what God's saying is, you don't need a whole lot of people. Maybe you look here this morning and go, we got a lot of empty seats and, you know, we're not, we, we're not like the 1800 member church in Dallas or we're not like this church. And what can a few people do? It's not about what a few people, a few people can't do anything. A few people can't, you know what, but a bunch of folk can't do anything either. It's the Lord who does it. And that's what Jonathan understood. He's like, I I know there's 600 men ready over here to fight, but they're sitting down. They're just a group. 600 men. And sometimes we look at bigger institutions or bigger churches and go, man, they can do a whole lot. They got a 30,000 member church. You know what they can do? They can take up 30,000 seats, breathe in all the air condition and do nothing. You understand that? Just because it's a bigger group doesn't mean anything. God usually works through nobodies, okay? And and fewer people, why? Because he gets the glory. And so when you just get a couple of people, a few people, they were talking about two people here, two people who were in it for the glory of God and said, I'm willing just to see if God, what he can do. And when they stepped out in faith, they wasn't worried about convincing the whole group that they ought to come with them. And you know, it's been that way, you know, since the beginning of time. But when you look in churches, most of the time, the whole majority of the group are just sitting. They're just sitting. But there are a few people who go, oh, I believe. I believe in my heart. I believe in my heart that God is great and that he can use anybody. And I believe God's love is great. And I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe in the power of his word. You know, I listen to these statistics about... You know, these college kids and how, you know, well, you know, the, the day of the church is over and the, the Bible is archaic and all that. So I'm like, yeah, right. And, you know, down through the time since they first started writing, the devil's tried to put it out and he never has, he never will. Okay. And, and understand this, God can take a few and do do with a few greater than what he can do with many. I don't need a bunch of pet people talking along and cheerleading. All I need is the Lord and that's all you need. And so understand that God doesn't depend upon what we have to offer him. All he wants us to do is just to believe and and to follow him and obey what he speaks for us to do. Because I want you to notice something here that most of the time we miss in verse 4. Now he didn't know his plan. He didn't have a strategy. He was just going to take a step of faith and to go. But you'll notice here as he was going, he saw something that says, verse 4, between the passes... 
okay, in the mountains there, by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison. There was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. Say, why did they write this in the scripture? Because we don't always know how God's going to do what we hope God's going to do. But when we know God puts it on our heart and we believe that, that there's a cause, and we make ourselves vulnerable to go, okay, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm, I'm going to believe you and I'm going to go. That's when God shows you the way. And, and as he went, what this was, was this was a strategic place, okay? A very, it was a very difficult pass. Two great rocks come out. But what happened was, you can think, how did two men, as you keep reading, how did two men defeat a garrison? Okay, a great number of these Philistine soldiers, you know, this is where people come and go, that's a myth, the Bible's a myth. No, it's not stupid, just, just study it, okay? I don't mean to be ugly, but I'm just saying, sometimes people need to shut up. That's two words your kids don't need to say. <laughs> Forgive me, parents, I'm sorry. But anyhow, here's the point. Okay, what was the point of this? It said, that's impossible. God placed them in a, in a physical place to where when they had to go right through this tight pass, all of the Philistines couldn't attack them at once. Only one at a time could fit in that sharp, narrow place. And therefore, all they were doing was fighting one step at a time. God doesn't say, you know, we, we oftentimes look at the big thing and Satan uses that to instill fear in us. And God's like, no, you know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And I'll put you in a place and show you, you follow me one step at a time and your enemies will fall. Don't get, don't get concerned about how great the stronghold is and what you're going to do to accomplish this, okay? You just trust the Lord and God's going to, as you walk, God moves the, the, the obstacles and God crushes the enemy. And so in this, um, they take off and they start up. Now look in verse 8. No, 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 I don't want to miss this. Look in verse 7. So his armor bearer said to him, notice what he says, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to what your heart. So where does all this service to the Lord and, and stepping out in faith and going after strongholds, where does all, it, it's got to come from your heart. You understand that? You know why a majority of people say it? And the others have a fighting spirit. A few have a fighting spirit because it starts in the heart. You know, you can, I can stand up here and you can stand up here and we can do all the pep talk and, and you know, try this and do this. Come on guys, you can do it and all that junk. Okay. But if it's not in your heart, you know where, you know where it's going to end as soon as you walk out that door. If you in your heart do not believe that Jesus is Lord. If you don't believe that Christ died on the cross, was buried and rose again because he loves you. If you don't believe God's word where he says, I'll save any and every person who will humble themselves and come to me, then you'll never come. If you don't believe God's word where it says, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, we're condemned and we have no hope that if you die without Christ Jesus and you don't trust in him, there's a real place called hell that God created for Satan and his angels where people who deny the grace of God are going to go and spend all eternity. If you don't believe that in your heart, you'll never share the gospel. You'll never believe the gospel. You'll never see God in your life and you'll sit. And there's people who come to church and they sit week after week week after week for years never believe in anything in their heart and they never do anything but when you take a person who goes i believe i believe i believe and i do buddy i'm tell you right now so what keeps me going i i I know this is not just a belief i know 
in my heart who God is. I know the power of the gospel to tear down strongholds. I know the power of the gospel to transform people's lives, to give people hope. I know the miracles of God to take you where you are and to take you in a place like you could never imagine God brings you, but it's got to start within. That's the key to life. You don't live life from the outside in. You don't define, well, God, you show me, and then God's like, I don't need to show you anything. I have shown you. I rose from the grave. Fact. I can prove it for a fact. And so in that, God's done everything to reach out to sinful people who have done nothing to reach out to God. And he's like, you know what? I'm willing to save you. I'm willing to, and it's not just you. Listen to me. You as a believer have to go, I believe God can save anybody. That's why God saved people like me. Because if he saved me, he can save anybody in this room. He can change anybody's life, anybody's marriage, anybody's family, any situation you got. Listen to me. If you're sitting there in your mind thinking, oh, I don't know if he could change this, that's your stronghold. And that's what the devil's using to keep you down. That's what the devil's using to discourage you. That's what the devil's using to destroy you and to continue to hold on to you. And you've got to come to a place you go, I'm either going to be a sinner and a quitter or I'm going to have a fighting spirit. Go, no, I don't accept that. I will not accept that. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust the Lord. I'm gonna take my eyes off of all this stuff that the devil's trying to kill me with and I'm gonna focus on Jesus and let's just see what happens. Man, you do that. Something's gonna happen. I'm telling you right now. Now look at this. So he goes out, and he says in verse 8, Jonathan Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. He's He's just testing the waters to see if God's with him, okay? There's a lot of ways you do that. But if you say, if they say this, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, now now notice, this is how the world viewed Israel, God's people, at this time. I think it's the way the world views God's people at this time. He said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden. Ain't, ain't Ain't that what they do? Try it. You take Jesus out of this hole. Because this is a hole where we're hiding. When you go out there, people are like, hey, that's for Sunday. Keep it in the pulpit. Church was yesterday. I've heard all of this stuff. You know, you're getting crazier. You know, that's one of them religious freaks. You know, you hear all that stuff. You know why? Because the world sees us as a bunch of weirdos, a bunch of weak people, weak-minded and uneducated, don't even see how we function. Who gather together on Sunday to sing around a fairy tale, who keep it in the church, who, who, you know, we're weird and, 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 but all of a sudden when you go, I ain't weird and I ain't uneducated and I can function and I believe something that's not a fairy tale, I believe a fact and I ain't shutting up and I'm going to speak it, I'm going to live it, I'm going to show it. Am I going to fail and fall every day? Do I still sin every day? But you know what? I ain't now you're preaching Randall Reeves. I'm preaching Christ crucified, okay? He's your hope, not me, okay? And so don't tell me who he is and what he's not, because I'll be glad to sit down and talk to anybody, any scholar or any uneducated person and reason with the Scripture to go God's Word is true. Now, I might be stupid and uneducated or whatever, but you know what? Let all man be a liar. God's true. God's Word is absolutely true, okay? And then it says in verse 12, 
So the Philistines basically, it said the men of the garrison called to Jonathan, his armor bearer, and they said, come on up, come up to us and we'll show you something. You know what they were saying? They looked down there and they saw the Philistines. They saw them as weak and it was like, come on, get you some. You know what? There are people out there that when you, when you go and you're going to speak the gospel and you're going to make a stand for the Lord and you're going to try to reach out and make a difference, don't be surprised when everybody don't fall down and bow at the name of Jesus. Okay? Don't be surprised when people go, come on, bring it. Do your best. Give me your best. You know what you do? Bring it. You bring it. You don't, you don't turn around and run like a coward. It says, Jonathan said to the armor bearer, come up after me for the Lord has delivered them to the hand of Israel. And Jonathan said, how, how do we go about this tearing down strongholds? How do we go about accomplishing great things for the Lord? Notice what it says in verse 13. Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees. You know, God's work is done on our hands and knees. It's not done because you're a great warrior or because you have great skills or because you have great educations and all that stuff. And you look at the theme through the scripture. Notice what, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the last time I preached, I preached out of Acts chapter 4. And you remember the church was in the same situation in bondage. And what did they do? They, they got on their hands and knees and they prayed to the Lord. And it said, and when they had prayed that God shook the place and they were filled with the spirit and they went about and they preached the word of God with boldness okay notice what this says he says and Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him and they fell before Jonathan as they came after him his armor bearer killed them the ones he didn't get his armor bearer got that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within a half an acre. And notice what it says here. And there was a trembling, a shaking in the camp, in the field. And among the people, the garrison, the raiders also trembled. And the earth quaked so that there was a great trembling. You want a good Bible study? Pull that word up. Shaking, shake, or trembling. Okay? And when you look at that all the way through the scripture... God does amazing things through people who humble themselves in prayer, and oftentimes it's related to a shaking. You remember, he talks about in the book of Isaiah, when God's fixing to bring about a judgment on the earth, and he said, I will rise up and I will shake the earth. And you keep on looking, it says it several times in the Old Testament, and it says it here. And then in the New Testament, when you get over here in the, uh, Acts 4.31, like we said, when they prayed, the place was shaken. In Acts chapter 16, you remember where... Uh, Paul and Silas was in prison, and at midnight they sang praises to God. You know what happened? God shook the place to its foundations. An earthquake came, and the, their chains fell off. They were set free. Okay, And then you read in Hebrews, and, and the Lord's talking about in the last days, he said, I will once again shake the earth, and not only the earth, but I will shake heaven. There's coming a great shaking in this nation and throughout this world. We oftentimes think, well, God ain't doing nothing, and, and so many times, and I'll be honest with you, since, since I hope you are doing the 431, I ask you to pray every day at 431. If you're not, set your alarm and pray, okay? Pray for our church, pray for our community. But when we started meeting and seriously praying in, in, in our church a few weeks ago, I see God shaking. He's just shaking. He's shaking my family up some. Sometimes, you know, we're so asleep and we're so sitting, and I have to admit, there's been a lot of years in my life I'm just sitting, like Saul, just observing, talking about it, doing nothing. But you know what? When God shakes, when God causes a shaking in your life, you know what it does? It awakens us to come to a reality. You know, one of the things that has shaken me in the last, in the last month, there's been of, I know, three for sure, four teenagers who have died in accidents. You know what that does? That, that shakes us. That brings us to a place to go, you know what? We're not promised another day. 
We're not promised just because these kids are young that they're going to be here next week or, or old. And, and, and you know what we need to do as a church? I think we get relaxed and we're like, well, you know, kids just, they don't want to hear it. We don't know what to do with the youth and all that. And God's like, let me shake you a little bit. Let me, let me get to your core to go. These kids need Jesus. They need, they need to hear about it. Parents need to wake up and realize, quit putting off and go, well, they're just teenagers and they're just going to do that and, and blah, blah, blah. And maybe something like happens and you as a parent, you're shaking and go, I need to, I need to lead my family to the Lord and I need to be a good example. And you wake up and you got people in the church, you thought everything was good and the next thing you know, they're split and they're divorced and it shakes you to go, maybe not everybody's as good as they appear on the outside. And I need to be up and doing something about it, not just talking about it and going, well, if there's another marriage falling apart, where there's another kid dead in a wreck, where there's another, you know, another person who overdosed on drugs, another stat, and what? Now what? You know, there was, there was a horrible, I can't imagine what the families are going through with these young people, and I'm like, so what? You know, a lot of times all we do is we just go, hmm, that's terrible. Lord, help him. He's like, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to help him through you. What are you going to do about this? What are you doing to reach young people for Jesus? What are you doing to share the gospel? What are you doing to encourage them in the Lord? What are you doing to, to get outside of your little shade tree that you're sitting under and, and to get out here where we need people to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Families falling apart, people that are that are crushed in every area, and you go, "Oh yeah, I heard of so and so. They lost everything. Hasn't had a job in you know in five weeks." And what? Mmm, mmm, mmm. Don't fix nothing. You understand what I'm saying? It's time for God's people to go. You know what? You know what's in my heart? My heart is compassionate. My heart says, "I don't know what I'm going to do, Lord, but I'm fixing to do something about it. I'm going to at least help in what way that I can. I'm going to speak what I know. I'm going to show the love that I possess. I've got to at least do something about it and get involved. That's what a church does. A church should be a mobile army that is so concerned for the glory of God and loves people where they're at. We're like, we don't even care if we know them. We just want to help them. We want to show them that Jesus is alive and he's real and we can do that. Or you can join the sitting group. You know what? Sit and rot. It says in verse 15, was that ugly? No. That's what bad fruit does. It rots. I cleaned that up good. And there was a trembling in the camp among the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled. The earthquake so that a very great trembling. Now the watchman of Saul. Now notice what this causes. What happens when one or two people catch on fire? Now the watchman of Saul and Gabeah of Benjamin looked and there was a multitude melting away. They, they, they was watching strongholds fall. They went here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with them, Now call the roll and see who's gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For at that time the ark was with the children of Israel. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise was in the camp of the Philistine, continued to increase. Jonathan and his arm bear was stirring up a mess. And that's good. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand or forget it, let's just go. In verse, in verse 20, then Saul and all the people who were with, with him assembled and they went to battle and indeed every man's sword was against his neighbor. There was a great confusion. What happened was God was causing a great confusion and the Philistines were killing each other. They didn't know what was going on. Before the time who, or notice verse 21, moreover the Hebrews who were with the Philistines. So who were they? 
they were Israelites who had, who had revolted and just went and joined the enemy. We don't have that today, do we? We don't have people who used to be in church who just out living like the devil. People who used to be involved in, with, with, with the church and now they're out just they're doing the same thing the world's doing. You're like, what do you do with those people? Let the Lord deal with them. Reach them if you can. But here's the thing. You just do what God's doing. And you know what they saw? When they saw what God was doing, God stirred them. And it says, uh, let me find, where was I at? What verse am I on? 21. Okay. Notice what happened. It says, oh, man. And do not turn. No, that's the wrong chapter. Let me flip a page. Here we go. Now that's why I see where I'm at. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites. So how do you get people who are so backslidden back? You just catch on fire and, and God will stir them. Maybe that's why we're not full. Are people seeing Jonathan's? You know, because when you have somebody that comes along, and I'll take the rap for this because I'm the leader of the church. And I admit, there's a lot of sitting going on in my life, has been, ain't no more. And to a point to go, you know what, I'm tired of just sitting. And I'm tired of accepting things the way they are. I'm going to stir a little bit. And I'm going to make people uneasy. And I'm going to make people uncomfortable. And I'm going to carry it right out into the darkness. And I didn't ask people if they liked what I had to say. I didn't ask them to agree with what I believe. But I ain't shutting up because they don't. And I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you know what? All of a sudden, when, when that starts happening and you start seeing people do crazy things like show up on Monday night, what are we here for? We're going to beg God. We're going to pray. We're going to lift the Lord up. Man, I already see God moving. And, and I see people growing in that. And people are like, it's weird to stop and pray at 431. Uh, I say my wife is a Jonathan Foreman. I'm not lifting her up. But she was in a public place the other day with some folk. And when her alarm went off, she stopped and said, okay, it's time to pray. And so she was praying with some of the people there. I said, that's crazy, man. But you know what? It causes me to go, I ain't getting left behind. You know, I'm fixing to do some stupid stuff like that. I just want to bring hope and Jesus to people and get out of your comfort zone and, and get involved in the battle. And so these people see it. And sometimes parents, you know what? Kids could get excited if they really saw the love of Christ in you. If they really saw what you were doing. Husbands, you're the leader of your home. You know what happens? A lot of times husbands just sit and we watch, we watch the world tear our families apart. We don't do anything about it. But what if your wife had a Jonathan who a husband said, you know what, I know where we're at, but we ain't staying here. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to lead our family in the right ways so that God will bless us and we'll have God's favor. And we're going to walk with the Lord. And, and young men see fathers who are men of honor and men who love the Lord. And they desire to be in that way. Be surprised at what your kids will turn out like. And then let's finish up. I'm finishing right here. They joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim. When they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them. God used two men who believed so much in their heart that God was worthy to raise up an army. All it took was two people. Two people. You know, I want, to, I want to challenge you this today as you look at your own life. Where are you at with the Lord? Are you a sitter? Or are you a server? Are you, do you have a fighting spirit? I'm not talking about serving on a Sunday. I'm just talking about in your home, in your community. Do you sit around and do nothing? Or are you one who goes, I, I believe it with all my heart. Because here's the thing that, that I'm most grateful for. If you're going to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, this is one thing I know. He was a fighter. 
He fought for us. Faced the greatest enemy that we ever had and went to a cross and, and warred in my place in order that my sins could be paid for. Was placed in a grave and three days later walked out in that war victorious over all. And he offers me the free gift. Listen to me. Salvation is not about, hey, you come up here and let me pray with you. You know, you need to be baptized. Join our church. It has nothing to do with that. Salvation is coming to a place to look at yourself if you are honest in you and only you can do it. If you looked in your heart and go, do I have what the Bible says a Christian is? Is there a time in my life where I realized I was a sinner? That I turned my heart to the Lord. I quit running. I quit making excuses. I didn't try to get religious and be good and dress up and do all that. But I just honest before the Lord to go, God, if I was honest with you. I'm a wretched sinner. And I've run from you and I've rebelled against you and I've lived for me and I've done things my way. But God, you have opened my eyes with your word to see how much you love me in spite of me. And that you offer me the free gift that I want to receive, God. I just want to ask you, because I can't save myself. I don't have any good to offer you and it wouldn't do any good if I did. So I'm humbling myself to go, I believe you, Jesus, that you loved me, died for my sin, that you defeated death and hell in my place, and you're asking or desire to give me the gift of salvation. I want that, God, because I believe in my heart who you are. If you've never done that, you're, you're not a believer. You can have a mental sin go, I believe in God, and I believe in God. You know what? That doesn't make you a Christian. It's when you turn your heart to Jesus to trust him as your Lord and Savior. Because you go, I want to follow Jesus. I've been following sin. I've been following the world. I've been following my ways. And I bet everything I got, if you're in that place, you're in a bad place. Because that's where sin leads all of us. But it's a good place if you'll just stop for a second, listen to me this morning and go, today's my turning point. Today's where I'm going to stop living for me and I'm going to start living for him because he's worthy. You know what God wants? God doesn't want you to, he's not saying you gotta be perfect, you gotta be at church every time the doors are open, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. You know what God wants? He said, I loved you. I just want you to love me. And when you have that in your heart, everything changes. Everything in life changes at that point. And as a believer this morning, maybe at one time you're looking back in the glory days where he's like, I remember, I hear it all the time. Man, when I first got saved, I was on fire. You know, I was telling people and I was talking, I believed in all this. But now when you look at your life, if you're honest, maybe you're just sitting. And maybe every Sunday you just come and sit and you're like, all right, boy, that was, that was good or it was awful or whatever it was. But the question is, what do you have in your heart that's moving you to do for the Lord? Because that's why you're miserable. There are so many miserable Christians who think it's just about sitting and if you're not, if you're not, If you're not attacking the enemy, if you're not tearing down strongholds, then you're missing the whole point. And God wants to use each and every person here for his glory this morning. My question is, is he worthy? Is he worthy for you to look like a fool? Is he worthy for you to get out from underneath the shade tree of your life? Is he worthy for people to laugh at you and spite you? Is his word true and is there a cause? Because if there is, we need to be up and about it. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed?